I'm a dude, and I'm inviting you to join me on a podcast about brews. Does that include stouts? Yes. Yes, of course it includes stouts. Like I was saying, join us every Saturday on the journey hey, hey, into... Hey, co- wait a minute. Do you, do you guys do anything about, like, IPAs? Yes. Like that? Yes, of, yes, of, yes, we do IPAs. Okay. It's, okay. It, yes. Anyway, join us on the Journey into Comics Network for Brews with Dudes. Whoa, whoa, po- hey, hey, do you... Have you guys ever... Do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima... Oh. Zima... Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. The following... The following... The following journey into comics. Journey into comics. It's a journey into comics. Journey into comics. Journey into comics. Journey into comics. Network. 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 Production. Production. And... Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-holes. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 247, I think. I didn't actually check this week. That's that's totally my bad, folks. I think it's two forty-seven. It's the yeah, it's the lot of them number. The lot of them, yeah. We've had a lot of them. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host Nate, as as always. But welcome back to the show once again. The co-host with the co-most. Welcome back, Tyler. How you doing, dude? Uh, I'm recovering. Yeah, you and me share. A very, very special bond that not everybody has to suffer through, and that is the migraine um, being something that we've just lived with. So you messaged me, was that yesterday? Or was it the day before? It was yesterday, I think it was Thursday. It it was yesterday. Yesterday's a blur to me because of the show. Uh, But you texted me and you said, hey... Um, I'm just in the midst of this migraine. <laughs> I've had it since 7.30 a.m., and I was like, oh, no. Or 7.30 p.m., maybe the night before. Yep, the night before. Maybe that's where I'm getting it. Yep. Yeah, so, you, man, I'm glad to hear you're you're alive and well. How's it feel? Um. Well, my favorite way to describe what a migraine is to people that don't have them, it's biology's middle finger to your brain. Cause it's just like yes, oh my god, that's just, perfect. It's just like, hey, you're feeling all right today. Fuck you. <laughs> Not anymore, bitch. Nope. <laughs> yep. And then and, and then and I they, and then and I will helm scream and go to sleep. <laughs> and I think there are certain levels, man. I don't. I th- I'm pretty sure I covered this on last week's episode. Uh, but I, we went to a concert. And during the concert, I got a fucking migraine. Oh, man. I have never more wanted to die than being at a show that I wanted to see, wanting to be excited, and literally having to just fake it through the whole thing because I was in so much pain. It was the worst. I'm really bummed I had to do that. But it's okay because I'm still alive. It didn't actually kill me, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think if they actually could kill you after... Like that one that I had that lasted three months continuously, like at 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 more than one point during that time frame, I really just wish it would have taken me out. 
Because <laughs> it was that bad. Oh, man. yeah, for sure. I mean, there are times I've literally looked at Sarah or V, depending just on who's next to me, and just say, hey, like, I really want to die right now. Like, it would be much easier than how much pain I'm feeling right now. And mm-hmm. you know what's crazy, though? I, I want to mention this to you, because I meant to mention this off air, but fuck it, we're on air, and it's a podcast, and we're going to talk about shit. Dude, I used... So th- Thursday, I watched Ollie, and when I did that, I got a migraine because of fucking course. It happens like that. Mm-hmm. But V had just got some uh, CBD cream for her knee because she doesn't have any cartilage. And I used some on my neck and my temples, and I swear to God, dude, in five minutes, it melted my migraine completely out of my dome. It was yeah, my the dad, craziest... Um... Man. My dad has fibromyalgia. You know what a lot of people call the imaginary disease. And uh spoiler alert, it's not imaginary. It's fucking awful. Um imagine a migraine Crippling. like at, at specific points throughout your body other than your brain. Like yeah. But he got... Oh, my elbow's going to just all of a sudden stab me. My kidneys are going to stab me. My fucking kneecaps and my shins are going to stab me. My spleen. Why is my spleen hurting me, you know? Um, How do I even have a spleen? There's no point in my spleen. Right. (laughs) Um, Wasn't that a character in, like, Mystery Men or something? The spleen. Yes. Yep, yep. (laughs) But a couple months ago, he sent me... um, he sent me an image of a uh, like a jar of CBD cream that he had bought that he said was really, really helping his fibromyalgia because other than, you know, basically... Um, my, my dad's basically on chemotherapy. Like... Damn, that's fucking awful. All bro. the time because that's the only thing that will mildly improve his... Lesson. Yeah. It, it it just Ugh. basically takes the edge off of the fibromyalgia while you're you're poisoning yourself, you know. Um, but yeah, he he sent me a, a jar of that, and you know he was gonna give me like the I'm gonna use it for six months and see how it turns out, and then you know he's already get back yeah to he's him. already raved about it and said how awesome it was. I just need to get some, you know. Yes, uh, Sarah recently started taking the the oil by mouth mm-hmm. for just like daily ingestion because we went to the, there's actually a pharmacy nearby that's like very professional and they show you and tell you about things and tell you about your dosage and how it works and everything. And they're like, one bottle is 30 days essentially, or if you go two a days, it's 15 days, mm-hmm. you know. But she's been taking it close to 30 days, and her hands don't hurt anymore as much. Like, most of most of her pain. She's had some back issues recently, but like most of her other pains from um, inflammation and stuff have all melted away. Like, I don't hear her really talking about that anymore. So, yep. I definitely think this is something that more people need to uh, get on the train about. Well, and that's, that's a big one for me, too, because I'm, I'm 27 years old, and I have arthritis. Um. So and you do a job that involves your hands. Yep. So um, it's specifically one hand. It's my bad hand. Um, you know, kind of like uh, kind of like the strong hand from Scary Movie Two. Chris yep, Elliott. That hand. It's my strong that's hand. My strong hand. 
that hand has had a lot of fucking abuse and trials and tribulations. And uh, now it's got fucking arthritis on top of all that. So any question. Go ahead. Is it your right hand? No, it's my left hand. Interesting. You're right-handed, though, I am right-handed. Wow, non-dominant hand. I was expecting you to say it was your right hand because you punched somebody in the face once and broke your hand, and that started a you know path of pain. Well, I like. I mean, we're 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 talking about our our lives here, so I'll just go on a, a another mild tangent. I have um two mild birth defects with my hands. I have what's called a carpal boss. So basically, right where your wrist meets your hand. If you take your index finger and your middle finger and you draw a line down in between those two, right where it intersects with your wrist, you okay. should feel a uh, like gap in your wrist. Yeah. Okay. So right on the edge of where those two fingers meet, there's a joint. And I have a birth defect where the nerve, one of the nerves that's in that joint Excuse me. It's it's right. constantly telling my brain that my hand is broken. So it's like pinched or something constantly. Well, no, it's just there's nothing wrong with it at all. It there's just something wrong with the way that it developed. Damn. So it's like, yo, brain, there's something wrong, and and brain's like, ah, I gotta put shit there to fix it. So it basically just constantly deposits calcium and it basically calcifies like um almost like a marble on top of that joint so i've got a really big one on my left hand the next time we hang out i'll show you cuz it's pretty prominent um apparently i have one on my right hand too but it's so small that i can't see it okay but so that that carpal boss is slowly but surely every time i rotate and use my hand cutting one of the major tendons that allows me to use my hand oh fuck but they won't do the surgery because it'll just come back because of my brain um <laughs> <laughs> well because your brain's telling your body that something's yep. wrong um damn but on top of that you know i i've i got shot on that hand a couple years ago so i've had a bullet go through it's what? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that story off air. It's pretty dumb, but, but okay. uh, <laughs> I I like how you just said it's pretty dumb. It's not like it's an interesting story. It's too intense for the air. Nope, it's just it's dumb. just really really dumb. Um, Fair enough. You know, it's been stomped on. It's been smashed. But after the gunshot, you know, I had to go through physical therapy, like mild physical therapy with my hand. Um, because I clipped some, or it clipped some nerves and stuff uh, as as the hot metal flew through my hand. So the the physical therapist is like, well, if the more you use that hand, the more um, basically the more you'll heal those nerves. And I was like, okay, you know, no problem. I'll start using this hand more than I ever have. So it's to the point now where just subconsciously. I use that. I use my left hand more than I use my right hand. Like realistically, the only thing I use my right hand for is to squeeze shit really hard and write. Everything else, okay. everything else, I do with my left hand now. Um, 
But it doesn't work very well because I still have nerve damage. If you damage do it with your left hand, it's like a stranger. You heard that, right? Yes, 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 yes. Really is. Yeah, it really is. Uh, well, especially, you know, my hand's mostly numb all the time, so I don't even have to sit on it. Oh. <laughs> that was awesome. That was perfect. But uh, Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, basically, I met, I met with an orthopedist not long ago uh, because my left hand was crippled from arthritis and the the carpal boss and all the ligaments in my hand telling me to fuck off at the same time. And he's like, well, I'm going to give you two cortisone shots and that'll help. And I was like, dude, whatever, cut the fucker off. Whatever you have to do, give me a robot hand. Like, just make it happen because... Luke style, yes, bro. Like, this, this ain't going to work. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, because it was, it was like... When I say crippling pain, like I could not use that hand to do anything. And if I bumped it or even just like opening and closing my hand, you know, God forbid I get the fucking infinity gauntlet because that ain't going to work. Um, <laughs> You're going to have a hard time snapping. Right. Um, and he's like, well, you know, um, this surgery that I can do to remove it, uh, there's like a, like a 40 or 60% chance that you lose complete use of your hand. Oh shit! Because there's such a uh, a concentration of nerves in that, you know, kind of uh, intersection right there in your wrist. And he's like, you know, I've done these surgeries in the past because people have begged me, and the 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 carpal boss always comes back, like always. And um, you know, there's the risk of, you know, if I nick one of those er- those nerves, you lose your hand and. Um, you know, it, it basically, basically you've got these steroid shots for the rest of your life. And I was like, well, you know, if this is going to help like short term, like what's, what's the end game here? And he's like, well, it depends on how long the cortisone lasts, but if it only lasts a couple weeks, like I'm just going to stop giving them to you. So, oh shit. I said, so what's what's the next step then? He's like, well, um, I can give you cortisone shots that don't work or you can become a banker. And I was like, okay, like you're, you're basically telling me that I have to be in excruciating pain the rest of my life. And that's, that's what he was saying. So I gotta get some, I I, I gotta get some second opinions. Yeah, for sure. Definitely look at second opinions. You know, sometimes doctors are just not willing to to help patients for whatever self, you know, aggrandizing reason. They think they're being helpful to you. You know, maybe he's like, this guy's young. I don't want him to lose his hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, man, we actually, historically, this has only happened a couple times, but we, do we get you? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yay, you're back. I, we lost you for a second. My Skype said there was a problem with the connection. I can't see you, but I can see and hear myself and hear you. Well, I can see you perfectly clear now, so we are still on the free and clear with the show. Hey, that's weird. We did that thing at the exact same time, but you couldn't see me. That was very bizarre, the the like hand gesture of people on the internet world who are listening can't see so i'm just like the 
toke hand gesture, I mm-hmm. guess is how I'll say it. But um, I think that the CBD cream could really help your wrist, man, and, and hopefully help your hands to y- at least feel some relief from the pain because to just live always suffering is fucking bullshit. Well, I mean, I really... And and we talked about this on podcast review the other night. Like I'm definitely gonna try the CBD, uh, like the the cream or the salve, and I th- I think I really want to do the oil too, just to kind of uh, as Emerald would say, bam, kick it up a notch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm in full dad mode today. Um, but I gotta write that down. Bam, but, kick it up a notch. Bam, kick it up a notch. But uh. Like I really just want to come home and I want to sit down in my my throne as I call it, and I want to reach to my left and I want to grab about a three foot bong, and I I just want to rip it until I I like I can't hardly function, and then I want to go like eat some pizza, like that's that's what I want to do when I get home from work. So, it's my life, bro. Congratulations, I mean. <laughs> congratulations to Michigan and Illinois for finally uh, getting up to the. The 21st century, maybe, maybe Indiana will hit uh, 20th century in like, I don't know, the year 2500. I really think, honestly, and I I just covered this on the Voice of Survival uh, last Friday, but I I genuinely believe that 2020 is going to have that as a major topic. Either both sides are going to say like, no matter what, we have to get cannabis legalized on a different level, or at least reschedule it in the criminal classification because it has so much medicinal properties and yes it can be abused and misused but so can alcohol Mm -hmm. so can pain medication i mean anybody can be a fucking moron with anything you can overly abuse sex till your dick don't work right you know like so i think that i I really do think 2020 is going to be a real that's going to be the big topic Aside from other topics that we know are going to be on the, yeah. Well, and 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 part of the reason I kind of segued into that is, um, you know, I don't I don't have a whole lot of Marvel news. I have a couple a couple things that I really kind of want to bounce off of you, um, but you know, the last six months to a year, maybe two years, we're starting to see a lot more. Um, I don't want necessarily want to say inclusion because I don't like to use the word in, or the words inclusion or exclusion because I don't I just don't think of things that way. But I think we're seeing the comic book industry at a, at, a, at a pretty rapid uh, pace modernize to include you know these these heroes that that we think about have having mental health issues and. Um, you know, being a little bit easier uh, to relate to as far as, you know, you're a superhero, but you're still a human being kind of thing, you know? And Yes, absolutely. The human aspect of the character, not just, I'm a superhero, I wear a mask, that is my story. Which, I mean, historically speaking, if you look at, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans are a lot of mm-hmm. that. They maybe tried to introduce the in the third movie a little bit more emotion, and they just made it emo, and it didn't it didn't work. Like they went wrong emotion there. Well, you know? Have you ever seen the video of him doing that dance in that 
movie with no music yes. and real sound effects. Yes, it's awful. Oh my god. <laughs> it's comedy gold though. It's so good. Oh yeah. Um but I, I, I just kinda wanted to bounce this off of you. I mean, do you think now that now that um the human element is being uh, you know, actually included for once because that's i mean i don't know it's just something that they're superheroes they don't need to have human elements you know they're like you said they've they've got the mask on and you know batman's is the first one that comes to mind it's he's always kind of been the human element because yeah he's he's legitimately just a dude in, in in a bat suit that's really fucked up mentally you know do you think that we're gonna see um uh, a little bit more uh, cannabis interaction in the in the comic book industry. If if the if like state by state we continue to basically decriminalize uh, the the magic plant that that causes the reefer madness. Um, I'm obviously saying that in jest, but I mean I mean, do you think no, do you think that's going to be a thing? My thought is this, honestly, with the uh, moving forward and how this can work, and will it, won't it? Well, you got to think, if we look at pioneers of comic books, Marvel is still at the top of the game for a modicum of reasons. And while they aren't perfect in print, they got the movies right, and that, you know, is satisfying a lot of people right now. We're clearly some of those people satisfied by that decision. Absolutely. You know, uh the the only the, I, it, there's a small issue here that maybe not in the next 10 years but definitely in the next 20 years i can see a hero who's struggling mentally with something or physically with something even that is a cannabis user say in the pages first that maybe at some point gets adapted up and into a movie but i'm not sure i mean do I want to sit here and say that at some point we're going to see Asgardians of the Galaxy and Thor's going to smoke a doobie in space with Star-Lord? I'm all over that scene, man. It's comedy gold. It's like stoner gold. Like It's it's perfect. It's, it's set in stone for something I would love to see. But the reality is there are still children that are being influenced by these movies, and I don't necessarily think kids need to be getting into cannabis unless... They have a medical condition that actually needs to have something to, to help them and not just, well, I, you know, I, you know, you have these people that in California would abuse the medical system and say, well, my back hurts or I, I can't sleep. And it's these real, you know, haphazard reasons why they needed a medical card. And, I, you know, as long as the cannabis isn't falling in the hands of the young children in those aspects, again, unless it's something that's actually necessary, you know, MS or something of that nature. Maybe, maybe, but I mean, you know, Tony Stark referenced weed in the MCU. Mm -hmm. Bongo drums, mellow jazz, big bag of weed. Like, what's your secret, Bruce? Right. You know, so... I mean, it, I just it's there in my mind with with as big as, you know, I look at, um, you know, w- with with as popular as the MCU has been and and certain um, 
certain titles from the from the DC EU um, or the DC CU. How, however, fucking DC movies. Um, you know, with, with with as popular as they have been, and now with, you know, they're they're using, um, you know, these timeless characters to tackle tackle some of the the issues and injustices that we face in society. I mean, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, obviously, they would have to do it with a lot of tact, and they would really have to do it the right way for it not to backfire. But man, it, it would be the perfect platform, you know. Maybe a little bit more of an adult-themed audience, like a Deadpool movie, or you know, to normalize it a little. Well, bit and more. and not just that, but but to help to help take away that negative stigma for you know, the generations coming after us because, you know, when we were kids, we were the dare kids where, you know, fucking drugs are bad, okay, and um, uh, just, I mean... Say no to drugs, dare, man. The the, the war on drugs was was really coming to an all-time high in the early 90s, and... You know, like we lived through all that shit, and it's like now that we're adults, and like I'm sorry if if there's somebody out there that disagrees with me. Every human being on this planet has something that is not 100% kosher going on with their brain. It's a fact of our species. Um, you can't be perfectly wired, yeah. man. And and if if there's something out there that can help you. Um, you know, I don't think as long as it's not like a legitimate negative thing. You know, if uh, if you say that, well, you know, the PCP helps me. Well, I I might I might disagree with that a little bit. Like <laughs> I care to disagree yeah. with you there, my put, friend. Put down the bath salts there, uh, Killer Croc. Like let's um, <laughs> let's let's step back and evaluate and and educate. Um, I just think that that with with where superhero films are in modern cinema and and how they're a part of our society now i feel like especially with movies like black panther and captain marvel and we we need to continue we we need to continue tackling issues and i think that they've got the the perfect stage to do it especially you know you brought up the guardians i mean just imagine drax and um star lord and groot and rocket sitting down and just toking it up like that would be fucking hilarious oh man i'm dying in the theater if that happens like i'm cracking up you know my thought too i want to make sure to get this in you're talking about uh, helping to destigmatize it, and really, and this mm-hmm. is going to be upsetting to some people. But in order to do that, you have to take away stoner comedy, and I say that because it creates a stereotype that's a false narrative. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, you know how you see those like memes that are like, "What I do, what my friends think I do, what my parents think I do." You know, what the world thinks I do, what I'm actually doing or whatever, you know? Right. And it's like, you see a movie like Pineapple Express and it's so fucking extreme. And I'm like, that's not what happened. Like, you live a pretty normal, and this, I'm going to burst some bubbles here, but 
I'm a high-functioning stoner that lives a boring fucking life. Like, I don't, not a boring life. I don't mean that, like, I'm just saying it's consistent. I'm not doing crazy, obscene, wild, ridiculous things because there is cannabis in my system at any given time. Right. It helps me to stay on track. It helps me to live and be me and just stay in the pocket. It's really weird. I will say that last night I had this weird thing happen that cannabis did not help me with. It actually made it worse, but I had like a panic attack driving and I had to like keep my shit together while it was happening. It was the weirdest. It's just like my brain triggered that something wasn't right with our drive to the show Mm -hmm. and I was on super high alert so much so that I like freaked myself the fuck out. It was the weirdest thing. Sorry to hear that. Well, I'm through it. I mean, I got over it relatively quickly, but just just so you know, not weed doesn't cure everything. Because I thought about like maybe I should smoke, and then I was like, no, because then I'll actually be paranoid and have real problems, you know. So, so where do we want to go? Where do we want to go next? Do we want to go right into to the Dark Phoenix? Yeah, because it's so bad. I haven't seen it yet. I really am gonna try my damnedest, depending on how tomorrow shakes out, or possibly Monday, one of the next two days. I, well, people listening are like, it's fucking Monday, Nate. What are you doing? I know it's time travel. It's weird, but we're in Saturday time feeding you to Monday, and you're going to listen to it. Maybe it's Tuesday now, and it's all fucked up. But anyways, I'm going to try to go see Dark Phoenix and just see it and get an actual opinion of it that's my own. If we're looking directly at the box office numbers and how it's done with its critical response and stuff... This movie is a shithole, Tyler, and I don't I don't think they realized what kind of mistake they were making trying to undo their last mistake of the last stand. Well, okay, so before I have a couple questions, but before I get to those, I have just two headlines that I want to read off of our friends uh, or from our friends here at comicbook.com. The first one is X-Men Dark Phoenix gets a B- cinema score. Okay, so me as a, or myself as a fan of movies and the experience and, you know, blah, 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 the X-Men. Going there to be entertained, I think, is one of the things you said before. I see this and I'm like, okay, you know, it's probably not that bad. Um, And then I read this article, or this headline to this article, which could be clickbait. Um, I'm not actually reading the article, I'm just looking at the headline. Uh, just a minute. I just lost it. Um, X Men the Dark or X Men Dark Phoenix will lose opening weekend box office to The Secret Life of Pets two. So so I took my wife to see The Secret Life of Pets one in theaters, and it's one of the worst uh, animated movies I've ever seen ever. Um, how does a movie like Dark Phoenix, a, a, a fucking, a cherished franchise like the X-Men, you know, it's, I don't, I haven't seen the budget numbers for the movie, but I would imagine they're pretty high. You've got unlimited star power with the cast. How does that movie lose to The Secret Life of Pets 2 and only get a B-minus score uh, from critics, it doesn't make any sense. 
to me, I think it, it in a lot of ways it does make sense, and here's why: one, the entirety of the X Men franchise was bastardized with Days of Future Past, and while at the time it was a clever move, honestly. The idea to use Days of Future Past as the crux and the MacGuffin to get rid of Last Stand as if it never happened is clever. Of course, there are still some missteps there. You have Mystique that becomes Striker, so she essentially creates Weapon X, and that's some fuckery that you, you never really get into, but I digress there. You look at it as a whole, and the X-Men franchise is bastardized because... Days of Future Past rights are wrong, and then they tried to course correct and keep good, solid movies going mm-hmm. with this all-star cast you're mentioning. I mean, you've got Ty Sheridan, who now has got fame because he did Ready Player One. Sophie Turner, who killed it in uh, Game of Thrones, obviously. Michael Fassbender, Jay- whatever your opinion of James McAvoy is, whether it's good or bad. I mean, you do have an all-star cast here. Well, but- and don't forget, don't forget Jennifer Lawrence. You've got Jennifer Lawrence. And it, I don't think she's in the film very long, my bro. Mm, I think from what I'm hearing, she might be in there like ten minutes or well, less. Well, even even if she's only in the movie ten minutes, you, I mean, trailer controversy aside, every show on our network has has bitched about how you know where where trailers are at in in you know um, society today, how awful or great they are for for what movies uh, end up doing in the box office, but. As a fan of maybe just Jennifer Lawrence, you see her in the trailer, and you're like, well, I'm definitely going to see her as Mystique again. And, I mean, the star power alone should should bring box office draw. And here's where, to counter that, I think the, the bigger issue is, one, their marketing was weak as fuck. I told Veronica, I was like, hey, we should go see uh, Dark Phoenix next week. And she was like, it's out? She didn't even know the fucking movie was out, yeah. dude. It's one of her favorite, literally, Dark Phoenix, Jean Grey, that character is Veronica's all-time favorite comic character. She raves about it. She can talk for hours on that character. Literally, just put a dime in her and let her play because she's not going to stop, you know? And she had no idea. And Sarah was the same way. She had no clue this movie was out in theaters right now. So that's one big problem. But B, and I think this is the more important problem with the franchises. You're forcing us to watch a dying franchise and make us care, and we don't. What? You drove us to this path. Disney has now bought Fox, and you look at it and you go, shit, man. If we do this, no matter how we slice it, no one's going to care because we can't convince them to enjoy our the end of our series because they're going to be more into... People are more anticipating right now, and this is the secret... People are more anticipating right now the future of the X-Men with the MCU and trying to quickly scrub that we've spent nearly 20 fucking years with these X-Men characters throughout the beginnings of X-Men at the very, very start of this and now ending with Dark Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Fox put together 20 years of a franchise. That's, I mean, that is saying something. But you went out on a whisper and not a bang from what I'm seeing, and that is... $33.9 $33.9 million opening weekend when your budget was $75 million bucks is a failure. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I think I have a couple things to add to that. You know, with, with the Dark Phoenix, in my mind, you know, whether I'm a director or a producer or a studio head of some sort, 
I would structure this movie to send off these characters and these actors in the best possible way that I could going forward to justify all the time that they have spent, that you have spent, that the fans have spent hanging on to this dead franchise for what it is now. Um, you know, why would you not do them justice? Why would you not give them enough respect to put forth something memorable for the last um, the last chapter in Fox's X-Men franchise? Kind of on the, on the same... Um, kind of in the same frame as they did with Logan. You know, you set you sent off one of the greatest castings for a superhero character in all of cinema history. One of the most popular if not most popular X-Men in Wolverine. Absolutely. You set I mean, you you broke a bottle of wine or champagne and said, "Here you go, man." Sail off into the sunset. It's fucking sad. The narrative is good. The action scenes are good. Hugh Jackman's incredible. It ties up loose ends well. Absolutely. How could you not do something at least similar with with Dark Phoenix? Well, and I think one thing that we need to... Okay, so there's a couple things tied with Dark Phoenix that you may or may not have seen through comic book that I want to bring up. So... One is $33.9 million is worse than, just so you're aware of this, worse than the box office debut of the Fantastic Four movie by Josh Trank. That is awful. Wow. It has a lower, and I know you're not a huge fan of Rotten Tomatoes, but it has a lower Rotten Tomatoes score than X-Men Origins Wolverine. Well, let's let's clarify. I I sure. am I have been a fan of Rotten Tomatoes for a long time. I was not a fan when people were allowed to go on before a movie hit the box office and just gotcha. and just shit vote it until it meant nothing. Yeah, we saw that happen to the uh, some of those DC movies there during Batman v Superman and Justice League. They definitely got that. Well, and people tried but, to do uh, it with Captain Marvel and people did it with The Last Jedi and and blah 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 blah, you know, the story Solo got a bunch The story goes on. But here's here's something else that I don't understand. I read an article yesterday that said the Dark Phoenix was written by the same writer that did the Last Stand. Yep. Why? Why would you do that to yourself? Because <laughs> someone at Fox was not thinking high or literally was like, "Fuck it, I don't care. We're getting bought out by Disney, anyways. I'm not gonna have a job next month, you know. That's where their head was at. But I want to use this real, real quick uh, to tie these two little things in together. So Brandon Davis from ComicBook.com, from the same article you were reading about uh, Secret Life of Pets, to beating out Dark Phoenix this weekend. Uh, Brandon Davis gave this. He said this in his review. He said, "In the end, Dark Phoenix is not the conclusion fans of the X Men franchise might have been hoping for, and it doesn't make." Much of an effort to tie in narrative threads into a nice bow as the franchise is probably coming to an end here. It's a bit behind its time. Still, the movie is fun and a safe movie for fans of the characters who uh, to wa- who want to watch in a theater with a bass-heavy sound system and leaves the key characters well enough to remember them fondly. So with that being said, he said something really interesting here. It's a bit behind its times. Let's remember this movie has been delayed four fucking times. Mm-hmm. It should have been out in 2018 early, like February of 2018 mm-hmm. or March. One problem, and this is where I'm tying this back in this other article I found. <clears throat> 
Apparently, according to Simon Kinsberg, he's an executive producer on the movies, uh, they had to rewrite the ending and reshoot a bunch of the movie because it was too similar to both Captain Marvel and Civil War. Okay. And because of that, they... That's that's part of the reason it essentially got delayed, but it's behind its times because it got delayed, and it's also behind the times because they tried to go, oh shit, what we're doing is too similar to what's already come out now. What do we do? Oh shit, we got to change it again because people are really not going to care and then say we copied off of Marvel, you know? And I think this movie is just, in a word, doomed. It was doomed from the jump, man. You had no chance. It's not getting off the boat. It's just sad because I think... You know, in my mind, um, everyone that is involved with that, that, that franchise where it sits right now or, 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 or now that it's done, I think they've all done a fantastic job. You know, Sophie Turner's um, role has been a little bit lackluster, but up until this point, she's still been in the process of kind of coming into her own as an actor, and, and, and I'm not going to fault her for that. Um you know all the people that we that we mentioned, McAvoy and Fassbender were both incredible. Um, I didn't really care for him as young uh, Professor X, but I can still, you know, recognize talent and say that he did good that he did a good job. Um, you know, I loved Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique. You know, she actually brought a little bit of life to a character that that you know. Even though she's kind of the mask of many faces, it's it's a pretty one-sided character if you just look from the outside. Bland potato yep. salad. Thank you. I I fucking love that analogy. Yes. Writing that one down. Um, <laughs> okay. But uh, you know, I just I I can't get over you know like I said the star power. Why? I ju- I just don't get it. Like even like I said, even, man, I think that they just. E- even even if it was a copy or similar to what Marvel did in Civil War and Captain Marvel, why does it matter? Yeah, I don't I don't rightly know. Did you know that they tied in they like when they were trying to hype for Dark Phoenix, I saw this like X-Men yearbook. It was a video and you watch it or whatever and it goes through all the different X-Men or whatever, but it's like past and present, so like Iceman Bobby Drake is in there, and they have, uh, you know, um, Rogue and whatnot. Well, Rogue, she's the only character that, because it's like a yearbook, so it's got facts about them and whatnot. And she, in her section, it said, favorite movie, Captain Marvel. Okay. And it's like an interesting, like, acknowledgement from Fox just in this one super fucking tiny way that the X those X-Men characters know the MCU exists in some way, shape, or form. Which leaves me to an interesting point of, like, it would be super cool if they fucked with time travel just a little bit more again to bring Kang the Conqueror even more in as a bigger threat. But it would be awesome if they knew the X-Men existed. Like, the in our MCU, they find out the X-Men exist. They know they need the X-Men. And they pluck them out of time and space so they can literally cast from people that already have played characters who maybe only got a small role. The guy who played uh, Havoc in uh, X-Men First Class comes to mind as somebody who could be brought back and be used in a more prominent space. Um, Ty Sheridan, I don't think, is a bad Cyclops at all. He's the right age. Like, 
Maybe you do need the X-Men to be slightly older, though. Tom Holland is pretty young, and those X-Men are pretty young. Well, I think you know? I think you, you just kind of fill your roster out with with um, a good, kind of a good median um, for your age group. I mean, I, I think, it, I, I really love your, your pluck them out of a moment in time kind of idea. Especially with if you're gonna bring back McAvoy and Fassbender for Professor X and Magneto, I'm sold 100%. Do it all day, every day. Um, I mean, with better writing and with more love and care, could you imagine how powerful those two could put on a performance well, just between those two? You don't need a movie with the rest of the X Men per se. Well, if you think it could just be a brain if, piece, you if know? You think about it too, like. Just Michael Fassbender as Magneto from uh, X-Men First Class all the way through Dark Phoenix. Who has put on better performances than that guy? I mean, everything that that guy did through all the movies, obviously I haven't seen Dark Phoenix, so I can't comment on his performance in that, but you know, even in Apocalypse, which was an awful fucking movie, um, it was incredible. Like The guy is uber-talented, and I've struggled for a long time, and we've talked about it, you know, over and over and over again. Um, they got to get Hugh Jackman back on board, but now there's talks of Henry Cavill um, being cast as as Wolverine uh, since he's not doing Superman anymore, and and I think I'm pretty okay with that. I've heard two other names recently that they've been considering for Wolverine, and I like them. One I like a little bit less because I think he's a bit young for the role, and I'll talk about that one first. Daniel Radcliffe has been brought up Mm. as a possible future Wolverine. Like, if you know you're still waiting three to five years, let him grizzle a little bit. He could... He could really... He's maybe too baby-faced, though. That's what I kept going back to. He's a little too baby-faced. But then, alternately, um, Keanu Reeves has been... Con- like constantly contacted with by Marvel, and I think Keanu would make an amazing Wolverine. Man, I don't know if he has enough rage emotion. Are you kidding me, dude? His fucking wife died. I know, but he has but- he has an untapped rage that the universe fucking fucked him, and they killed his fucking dog in goddamn John Wick. But is, is, I mean, he's always so calm. Like, in all of his movies, even when he's riled up, it's just like, yeah, I'm could he, I, I love, I'm gonna preface this with I fucking love Keanu Reeves as a person and as an actor. <laughs> but, totally. But here's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I'm Keanu Reeves. I'm gonna get I'm you. Gonna, I'm gonna get you. Bastards. I'm going to, oh, I'm gonna get you. I got you. Oh, and I'm going to get you. Here's a classic Keanu flick that no one appreciates. Chain Reaction. Never seen it. Oh, my God, dude. It's fucking incredible. So he's a scientist, or he's like a friend of a scientist, and he goes to this lab, and he fucking touches something, and it sets off the movie's title, A Chain Reaction. But this thing is sending a wave that is literally destroying the city, and the whole movie is him running from it. Awesome. It's wicked. It's it's fun as fuck. I saw that shit in theaters. So it's, it was so, so good. So it's like uh, 2012's uh, 2012. Yes. In, <laughs> yes. Which came out in 2012, starring John Cusack. Fucking John Cusack. It was Cusack. awful. <laughs> Hot Tub Time Machine is one of his best roles. Yes. Just by the way. Um. 
But anyways. Yeah, so I I think I just want I want the X-Men to get and, and and here's where I'm at with the X-Men. They don't even have to be included in the MCU. Just do Yeah, we talked about this last time you were just, on. Have them in their own pocket. Yeah. Of, just just do an X MCU. I mean, it'd be cool to do that and then like at some point actually make them cross over, say, secret mm-hmm. wars. That be the actual meeting point where there's a universe where the Avengers don't exist because that would be overpowered and crazy. You have the X Men and the Avengers, and you couldn't beat Thanos. Are you fucking dumb? Right. But if there was a universe where only the X Men existed and they always lost to Thanos, there was no chance of them winning. And then somehow, some way, Battle Planet, whatever the reason, the Beyonder, it doesn't matter. However, you decide to fucking do it. Kang the Conqueror could even be. Doctor Doom could even be the reason for Secret Wars. Who knows? I mean, he could be fucking with the Negative Zone at Baxter Building and you know. But um, yeah, man, I uh, I I think that we need the X Men, but we need it to be flawless. Yes. It, I, I think I think if um, going forward with the X Men, if they if they come out of the gate and they stumble coming out of the starting block at all, they're doomed. And and I think I think the same needs to be said about the Fantastic Four. Oh, absolutely! You know, interesting. You bring up the Fantastic Four because <clears throat> ComicBook.com made this big deal that allegedly Fantastic Four reboot officially happening, announced 2022, it's going to be coming, blah, 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 it's just a matter of time, this and that and the other. Wrong answer, Jack. So this guy, I don't know, Tyler, because I haven't brought this dude up when we've done a podcast, but there's a dude, Roger Wardell, he famously predicted a bunch of shit that happened in Endgame like six months before the movie was in theaters, right? Like, talked about Cap being a different kind of Cap and hashtagged Hail Hydra. Talked about how Thor would lose one thing no one ever expected, which was his figure. Like, shit like that, mm-hmm. you know? And so he retorted, and he actually retorted after you and I uh, had done a JIC. So we covered something about Deadpool being in the MCU, and Roger Wardell fired back May 27th saying there are no plans to add Deadpool in an MCU Spider-Man 3, but Sony desperately wants Tom Hardy's Venom in that movie. Deadpool has his own movies but never showed up in the main X-Men films, and it will be the same for the MCU. So maybe Deadpool will be a fringe character that only gets used for extra special crossover situations because they want to keep him separate. But... Roger Wardell said this, June 6th, so just uh, two days ago, Fantastic Four rumor that is going around is totally false. Marvel has enough on their plate already. So this guy has actually seen the Phase 4 slate. He knows what's coming down the pipe. Something that we'll know in just under a month. Uh, And then the next thing, The Rock's quote-unquote Marvel role is just another Vin Diesel situation of The Rock trying to build hype to get a meeting with Marvel. That makes sense to me. I mean, why wouldn't you? You're you're the highest paid actor in Hollywood, right? Isn't he still the highest paid actor in Hollywood? Mm, he might be second behind RDJ, truthfully. Well, as, as now, okay, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, But shit. yeah, he's up there. So, you're, you're... I'll rephrase that. You're one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. Um, 
you know, you're you have to market your way or market yourself in every single way possible. Five minutes on Reddit, and that's better than any marketing ad campaign you can do anywhere ever. Oh yeah, totally. So this dude, you know, talking about the future of Marvel and all this, you know, he seems to be dead on, man. And I'm just going to keep, like, following him. We'll keep updating our listeners with some of his tweets. They're always interesting, you know. uh, I just can't wait to see if they're true. Some of these things we won't know for several months if they're going to be true or not because, you know, one of them's conversation and talking about, <clears throat> Rocket's creator being the high evolutionary. Drax is going to find out in the third Guardians that his daughter is still alive. That's Moon Dragon. Mm-hmm. Rocket will also get his love interest, uh, Lila, who's another ra- Rocket Raccoon type character that was experimented on. They used her in the Telltale game. And Nebula and Star Lord will grow into closer friends. Like, if that shit becomes true, this dude knows it all. He's got it. He's like a super legit insider who is leaking Marvel shit out, and I don't know how they haven't stopped him yet. Let me ask you this. So, in regards to the Guardians, um, all of this stuff that I've read, or you and I have talked about, uh, what's what's upcoming for Guardians 3, I'm really digging it. Um, you know, everything that James Gunn has said personally about wanting to finish Rocket's character arc that he started all the way back in Guardians 1 and and has continued through all the films that Rocket's been in. I'm really vibing that. I really want to see I really want to see Rocket's story not necessarily come to a close, but kind of get some of the loose ends and and a little bit more information um in movie form. Um especially, you know, anything that's high evolutionary, I'm I'm down for because it's just it's a, it's just such a cool character, um, and it's never been done that scale. You know, we've never seen live action the High Evolutionary, so that'll be really cool. Um, Especially if Mark Hamill plays the High mm, Evolutionary. Just saying. Yes. Also, and I don't know if you know this or not. Famously, the High Evolutionary also created another Marvel character that I beg, I will literally get on my hands and knees and beg Marvel to bring him into the MCU. Lay it on us. Fing Fang Foom, the giant dragon, is created by the High Evolutionary. So maybe, just maybe, we also get Fing Fang Foom, which would be crazy. Also Thor, also Beta Ray Bill, also allegedly Quasar. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are all things that are supposed to be happening in Guardians 3, man, and we're like just over two years out, and I'm like, now, damn it. I really want to see the Beta Ray Bill stuff. Um, you know, because originally Stormbreaker was, was Beta Ray Bill's, um, smashy, swingy, cutty thing. Um, also known as, uh, as an axe cause he needs the axe. Um, he needs the axe. That, that, I, I wanted you to do that, but I didn't want to say, Hey Nate, do the axe thing. Um, you, it's cool. You just lobbed it up to me and I alley-ooped that motherfucker mm-hmm. like it ain't no thing. But, uh, I, I really want to see... Beta Ray Bill and Thor interact. Now that Th- now that Thor has Stormbreaker, it be I mean it's just that whole dynamic will be really interesting. Um, I really hope that Thor is in Guardians Three. Um, you know we've all read so many so many conflicting reports. I really hope that that um, Waddell is uh, 
or Wardell, how, however you said his name. I already forgot. Yeah, you had it, Wardell. Okay. You're right. Um, I hope that, that he's spot on like he's been with, with pretty much everything else. I do have two questions, though. Are we going to see fully powered Drax ever? I think so. And, you know, I think that, man, you teed it up so beautifully. If they have Chris Hemsworth in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, let's call it as Guardians of the Galaxy just for the sake of doing Mm -hmm. it. There are so many things and moments and places that you can go having Thor be a part of that team because Thor can help Drax channel his inner powers, Mm -hmm. his ability to hone his strength and not be overcome with rage because Thor himself had been overcome with rage in several instances and has learned... It isn't the clearest path. It's not the best way to go, you know? So I think another thing is it's interesting to think about Thor giving Stormbreaker over to Beta Ray Bill mm-hmm. as a passing it down. Then my question to there, a, lo- a lob a question back to you, is like, if we get Beta Ray Bill in Guardians 3, do we ever see the cut footage of Beta Ray Bill from Ragnarok that almost made the movie? I would hope so. I mean, you've you've... I mean, why wouldn't you? I just don't know if they kept it. I mean, you have to assume they keep everything, but like, it was like a blip on their radar. They said not right now. They decided they were going to focus on Endgame. Then you get, you know, they know where Thor's going at the end of Endgame and his kind of trajectory. So do you know? I think uh, there's so many questions. I think if you're going to introduce a character like Beta Ray Bill that has such a... You know, Beta Ray Bill is kind of the mirror image of Thor, um, just with a horse head. Which which will be really interesting to see how they do, you know, with CGI, what's going on there. Um, Hopefully it doesn't look like Mr. Ed well, where they put peanut butter in his Yeah, gums. like, <laughs> let's, uh, let's superimpose Mr. Ed on top of Chris Hemsworth's body, paint him <laughs> yellow, and then that's... Uh, that's Beta Ray Bill, you know. Like, I'd be a little bit upset. Obviously, I think all of us would be. Um, but I don't. I, I I think if you're going to introduce a character that is on par with with the strongest Asgardian, um, I think I think you gotta you gotta do whatever you can as much as you can. Um, I've I've seen a lot of reports uh, or, or read uh, quite a few articles the last couple days about. Towards the tail end of Phase Four, Hella making a return, um, which would be interesting uh, to see what what would go on there, how they would reintroduce that character. I really liked, I really liked the casting that they chose for Hella. You know, Kate Blanchett yep. is dope. Like, I'm not even a big Kate Blanchett guy, but she fucking killed it as Hella. I mean, I like five minutes on screen, I fucking hated her. You know, like. Winning, yeah. So, uh, like, just the, as far as the whole Drax thing, I, I really liked the perspective that you took, or or the the yeah the perspective that you took on it because I was more going along the lines of, you know, he was thrown in a vat of goo, became uber strong, held the Infinity Gauntlet, did all kinds of stuff uh, way back in the day. In Guardians One, he got thrown in a, pa- a a vat of goo. Nothing changed. I was that's one of the few things that I was disappointed about in that movie. 
um, you know, on first watch in theater, you know, Ronan tossed him in the va- in the 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 goo, and I was like, "Yep, Drax is about to fucking Hulk out. He's about to be strong as fuck." And then he's just, you know, dead. Yeah, comedic. And fucking Groot has to fucking give him a tracheotomy yep. and yep. shit. Um. So. I, I would like to see Drax. I, I, I mean, I love, I love the comedic tone that they've taken with Dave Bautista. Um, you know, when Dave Bautista was was cast as Drax, I was a little bit weary. Um, you know, because it is Dave Bautista and not like Robert Downey Jr. They're definitely not on the same playing field. No. Um, but I, I really enjoyed what they've done with the character. His comedic elements have been fucking fantastic. Batista has been fantastic. He's really grown to love that character and, you know, done just enough subtly to make it his own. You know, that that scene in Guardians 2 where, where he's perfected how to stand so still that he becomes invisible, That that is one of the funniest scenes in the entire MCU, and it will be forever. You can't change my mind on that one. Um, Dude, you're eating a Zarg nut. <laughs> yeah, but my moves are so <laughs> slow. They're imperceptible. Hi, Drax. <laughs> and, and, I, I, you know? and I've really enjoyed um, Drax and Manus. I've really enjoyed their dynamic. You know, anytime they're on screen together, it's gold. Um, so, But I, I would like to see Drax beefed up a little bit. And here's my next question. Do you think we'll get a Quill Nebula romance instead of Quill um, Gamora? Gamora. Thank you. My brain, my brain stopped working for a second. That's fucking crazy to think about. I didn't put it like that, but becoming closer friends, it could be. I, I just don't know. I feel like it would be forced to make Gamora that human because she's not at all human. Oh, you mean you, if that makes you mean sense. Nebula? Nebula, yeah. Nebula. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nebula. Well, the only I don't. The only reason I brought that up is because I like I like Nebula. Like saying that Nebula becomes friends with someone, I really dig that because she's not. I mean, she's a cyborg. You know, she's all she's mostly machine now. Um, like Darth Vader, uh, he's more machine than man now, <laughs> but, um, like you see in Guardians 2, you know, her kind of turn in the right direction and then her interactions with Rocket in Endgame and, you know, that, that fucking beginning of the movie when her and, and, and Stark are on the ship and they're playing the, the Chinese football game and, you know, when he's, when he's tuckered out and she puts the jacket on him. Like, she is becoming more... She's... Okay, I, I see what she, you're saying. She's become humanized because she spent... Yes. 22 days with a human alone on the Benatar mm-hmm. trying to survive and had to pick up his humanity. And then, to further your narrative that you're talking about here, and really their narrative, she s- s- fucking helps save all of humanity... You know, and in a, in a really crazy instance, and has to kill her past self, mm-hmm. which that's hardcore parkour. Well, and um, there's just so many scenes towards the end of Endgame. You know, her her convincing 2014 Gamora to free her, and 
you know, she's basically dangling the worm in front of her eyes, uh, in front of Gamora's eyes, that, you know, there's the path to a better life that they've always talked about, that she's tried to convince her that there is. Um, you know, it's there, and she finally has realized it, and she has people that she mildly cares about, and, you know, seeing Quill and 2014 Gamora interact, you know, she's right there for it all. Um, yeah. Seeing Quill, who she has at least mildly grown to, to give a shit about, um, you know, so devoted to Gamora, like, I can see, like, that's a perfect stepping stone to them becoming friends, because Nebula wants to find her sister, Quill wants to find his lady, uh, it just makes sense, but maybe 2014 Gamora is just not, just not interested. Yeah, she's on a different path, and, and the spark is never there because they don't have the experience of Guardians 1 saving Xandar, Guardians 2 saving the galaxy for a second mm-hmm. time. Now we're two-time galaxy savers, you know? Uh, interesting to note, this, there was a Reddit theory that I read that was super fucking interesting. Do you remember in Guardians during the prison scene when Quill is showing off his scars, and he's like... Got this from a smoking hot Rage Axe girl, and you know, I got this from an Oscavarian, and you know, Drax calls him a man who is laying with Oscavarian. Well, Quill also shows him a scar that he got from a Cree girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you know this theory? No. <laughs> so, hey, do you know who the Cree girl has been theorized as being? Oh, Captain Marvel. I read this yesterday. Carol Danvers, yep. yeah. That because of Quill's age and the timeline and where he would have been, being a Ravager, her being imprisoned by the Kree, essentially, without knowing she was imprisoned because she had been, you know, uh, buffooned from her accident. Uh, Yeah, it's highly possible that Carol Danvers had some one-on-one hanky-panky with Mr. Lord. (laughs) Don't call me Star-Lord. I think think that'd be really cool. You know, I I, I said initially that a a Thor-Captain Marvel romance would, or not necessarily romance, more bromance would be be really, really interesting, Um, you know, because they're they're the two top dogs, Um, and I, I feel like any relationship going forward that they try and do with Captain Marvel will feel forced, and it'll be kind of the opposite message that they, that they you know, showed us in Captain Marvel um, that women aren't aren't just you know one dimensional critters. Um, so I don't. I mean, I mean, the theory of it being in the past, uh, kind of a a lost love. I I I dig that, and and that would be uh, you know if, if say Captain Marvel makes a, a cameo in in Guardians three, which I'm not going to rule that out either at this point. Um, yeah, it's true. Her making a cameo, maybe you know Quill and Gamora and Captain Marvel have you know kind of a comedic scene where where they recognize each other, you know, because it's not like they hung out uh, during the the battle for Avengers HQ. It, they weren't they weren't sipping um, iced coffee, catching up about you know what they did in the past. Uh, we also didn't see the scene where they were eating deviled eggs after Tony's funeral. Yep. I mean, there's always deviled eggs. Let's just be real. Right. Um, so yeah, I I think 
any direction that they take with any of those three characters would be really, or four characters would be really, really interesting. I want to, I'm glad that they're, they're, if, if the theory is true, I'm glad that they're focusing more on Nebula. Yeah, giving her a new lease on her character. But let me ask you this one time. Um, what are your thoughts on, and, and maybe we don't really you know, have the right necessarily to comment on this, but there have been some rumblings that Valkyrie and Captain Marvel have some sort of romance and that they make Captain Marvel the first bisexual character officially recognized in superhero form. I I think any direction, um, any social issue that 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 Disney and Marvel wants to tackle, uh, you know, they've got my vote to do it. If 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 Brie Larson and um, shit, I remember, I forget her name every time. Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson. Thank you. Um, if, if that's the direction that they're comfortable going with, no pun intended there, uh, with, with their characters and that's, that's the ship that, that Marvel wants to sail. And that's an issue that they want to highlight and try and tackle. You know, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, I, 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 they've got my vote 100%. I just don't anything. They've tackled enough social issues in a tactful way mm-hmm. that it, it's not like judgy push shit down your throat, right? I just don't. You know, that's what I was gonna say next. I just don't want it to be that. Um, Absolutely. You know, in in the in the weeks following Endgame, I read a lot of articles about Phase Four going forward and what comes after Phase Four, and. You know who's going to be the first gay uh, Avenger, I or or bisexual Avenger. I that doesn't matter to me, not because it's not important, but because it's not something that you. Uh, how how do I say this? Like, it's you're saying it's not important from the aspect of like that's not going to make the character to you. Their sexual preference is none of your fucking concern. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a heterosexual man, and uh, other people's sexual preferences, as long as they're not harmful to other human beings, I don't care at all. Uh, Absolutely, everybody deserves to love and be loved for who and 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 what they choose to be. And uh, if, like, like, I mean, just going as easy as this, if, um. Who would be a good one to choose? If Sebastian Stan, if the Winter Soldier was was chosen as the first gay Avenger, what changes about the character? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. And really, it would honestly, I, it it's kind of funny to say that because that's like a very terrible choice. Because I mean, actually, it might be a great choice. Like Bucky's finally not under mind control. He's been fucked up by the Russians all this time. He's got some real trust issues with men, but also has been seduced by men for the entirety of his existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I mean, it would be... I'm into it, but I agree with you. It doesn't change the character as what they've built in this universe, as what they've done, as their abilities and their role they play. 
It's just a title that's being added to them. And I think that that is a great point to go back to your question way earlier in the show. We were talking about the cannabis culture and the possibility of bringing that over. And I think that you maybe tackle that big issue by not making it a big issue. Thank you. Like, you can't have a scene... You can't have a scene in Deadpool where it go, you know, Deadpool's like, I'm really fucking stressed out, man. I need a minute to chill. And then it cuts to them, that 70s show style, sitting around a table smoking a doobie. Like, that's a little too on the nose and just promotes, like, drugs as a party device. Mm -hmm. If, however, you say have, I don't fucking know, man. Scarlet Witch is still dealing from the fallout of losing vision and she can't handle it. And she's having dreams and she's like, what's going to help me? And for whatever reason, she goes to California because I don't think upstate New York has legalized cannabis. Maybe it does actually. Maybe they have medical at least. I forget. But anyways, just envision like she's really stressed out. She's having an emotional breakdown and then you just see her. And she's just sitting there, and she's smoking something. They don't really bring up that it's weed, but you can tell by how she's holding it. It's a joint and not a, a cigarette. And then that's it. It's not, they didn't, oh my god, are you smoking weed, Scarlet Witch? It's none of that stuff. It's just a really subtle one-shot of her holding a thing, puffing it for a second, and then like being more focused in the next scene and 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 being like, I can, I can get through this. Like I will be okay. And showing like, oh my god, look, you can use that as some sort of coping mechanism to help you get through your trauma. Absolutely. Like that's the way to that's the way to tackle it, but you can't like I said to go back to that, you can't be comedic about it cuz I think that will be an actual mistake. Well, and I think I think they've kind of I think they've done a really really good job as far as um as far as romances go historically in the franchise now. I mean, what major romances have we had? We've had Tony and Pepper at number one, uh, Captain America and Peggy and Peggy's granddaughter. That's two. Uh, brief, briefly, Scarlet Witch and Vision. Uh, yep. bl- did you bring up Banner Widow? Yes. I well, I thought I did. Maybe not. Um, Maybe so that's you didn't. Four. I didn't hear it. I fucking suck. Well, our our connection's not the greatest either, but so let's say that's number four. Um, Black Panther a little bit, number five. Yeah, with uh, Nak- Nakia. I can't. Yeah, I I can't remember her name. Um, I think I've slept Nakia. a lot and had migraines since then, so my brain my brain can only hold on to certain information. Um. So yeah, I, I, and it's never been, it's never been over the top. It's never been in your face. Um, They're not having fucking just, scenes. No, it's just I'm not. I I want I want these characters to be multi-dimensional and have depth, but I also I like it just needs to be subtle. And I, I, I think that's the best way to do it. If if Captain Marvel is going to be a bisexual character with Valkyrie, totally cool. Uh, just but you don't need a thirty minute makeout scene, a la no. Black Swan, right? You know, I don't need to see. 
uh, Tessa Thompson and Brie Larson standing on the edge of a cliff over New Asgard, just basically getting it on out in the open. Like, no, like, no one fucking does that anyway. Correct. It, it, it showing compassion in certain ways is so much bigger than being grotesquely PDA about it, and yes. you know. Uh, Showing, I mean, sometimes, sure, a kiss can be very important in a moment in a movie scene or whatever, or show impact, but it can also be, listen to me, I tell you what, if there was a scene where fucking Valkyrie's flying on her fucking Pegasus and some energy beam, I don't know what scenario created the energy beam, don't ask me, because I haven't thought that far out, but the energy beam hits her fucking Pegasus, and she and her Pegasus go flying off, and she hits the ground super hard, and Captain Marvel rushes to her. Captain Marvel's not going to rush up to her and start making out with her and be like, like that's not what it's about. She's going to subtly caress her face and be really genuinely crushed that this person that maybe they never actually get together, per se, quote-unquote, but that you can tell they've built such a strong chemistry that they want to have that and they don't get allowed that. That's a powerful storytelling thing that, again, subtle, but at the same time is impactful. Well, I, I think it, you have to look at um, Scarlet Witch and Vision at the beginning of Infinity War. They're, when they're being attacked by the Black Order, that, like, narratively, it makes sense. <clears throat> the conversations that they're having, their interactions between the actors is making... I mean, narratively, it makes sense. <coughs> he, is, he is a fucking uber-cyborg that has human emotions mildly and now he he wants scarlet witch to be like they he wants them to be a union and <clears throat> he's caring about her being happy and like it's just i i dig it because it's subtle it's not over the top it's not in your face uh i don't have real yeah it's real thank you and it, it feels real. It feels like an interaction that you would have with someone you care about. And I, I and I think that's just they just need to look at what they have done so far and just keep doing that. I agree with you wholeheartedly, my friend. You know who shouldn't keep doing what they're doing? DC. DC streaming service, man. What is going on with this? You brought this to my attention, so what's what's up? What's happening? So I have an article pulled up here. Uh, it says, New details of Swamp Thing cancellation emerge. Fans are still reeling after news broke that the new DC Universe series Swamp Thing was canceled less than a week after its premiere episode. While the show will continue airing the remaining episodes on the streaming service, Warner Brothers has confirmed that there will not be a second season. Rumors have started flying about why the show ended, from executives not liking the content to mishaps with state-offered tax breaks in North Carolina. Chatter surrounded the busted tax breaks have started to take a life of its own in the last couple days, especially after a local report from Star News Online seemingly indicated that an error in filing eventually resulted in a cancellation. But the Star News reporter Hunter Ingram offered some clarification to shed light on the confusing situation. Um, 
According to the initial report, Swamp Thing was reported to get a $40 million tax break from North Carolina, but that amount was drastically reduced after a mix-up in the paperwork filings. Now we know that's not the case, as Ingram explained to Screen Rant. On their grant application, they estimated that they would spend almost $20 million on the pilot episode alone, and that's how they were going to get that $4.9 million back from the grant program separately from the rest of the se- season, Ingram said. Uh, so the director of the North Carolina Film Office guy, Gaster, also disputed those claims. I don't at this point other than the people that are directly involved with Swamp Thing excuse me I I think I I I don't I don't know what the hell is going on it, the closing of this article says um Gaster's comments back up Ingram's own reports and also point to a less frivolous endeavor on the part of the DC universe than fans initially thought about after these reports start, started to hit the public All in all, it sounds like Swamp Thing had a lot of setbacks behind the scenes that all contributed to an early cancellation, which is all more unfortunate because of the good buzz the series is getting from early reviews. Swamp Swamp Thing is a character that gets forgotten about a lot. You know, people think of... When did this... let Let me look something up real quick. When did the Swamp Thing movie come out? 1983. That's a guess. It came out in, um, standby. I feel like I'm a year off. I feel like it's 84 now, but. Swamp Thing, 1982. So you were a year off, a year off, just the wrong direction. Wrong direction. Uh, I I remember seeing that fucking movie as a kid and then immediately, uh, being interested in the character. Yeah. I mean, like. You go to the comic book shop, you're flipping through the racks, and you're like, hey, what the hell is this? Swamp Thing? I'm hooked. I'm interested. Let's see what we got going on here. Um, Creepy looking as fuck. Yeah, I, I really, I haven't watched the pilot episode of Swamp Thing yet. Um, I'm still trying to tie up some loose ends now that Game of Thrones is done. Um, yeah. I really want to watch Doom Patrol. I'm still hearing great things about that. I watched the pilot of Doom Patrol. It was fucking fantastic. And I also watched all of Titans, which was fucking fantastic. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. But uh, you, you guys will probably be seeing that pretty soon because I feel like Titans is like next month coming to Netflix. That's, I, I remember reading that, I thought. Um, so I saw the promotional art for Swamp Thing, and I really love the way that they've made the character look. And, you know, just that promotional image of, of him coming up out of the water it just fucking looks incredible. Um, it of all out of all of DC's failings and mishaps and shortcomings, I I really like that they're they're picking on these characters that get forgotten about. You know, Constantine is a character that gets forgotten about. Um, you know, in the next headline for the article following the one that I just read says the CW should save Swamp Thing with a Constantine crossover in Season 2. And I think that would be really cool. Crossovers are, are really big. That would be fucking... All the shit that they've done with, with Arrow and The Flash and, and Legends and, and, and all that shit, you know, I'm not caught up by any stretch of the word, but everything that I've seen, I've really enjoyed. And out of all the things that they get wrong, I think that... 
they need to focus on their streaming service a little bit more than they are their cinematic universe. Because there's enough... How many people before this show got canceled or before this pilot episode aired gave a shit about Swamp Thing? There's some. I would, I'm would. i not going to dispute that. But not very many in comparison to, let's say, Arrow or the Green Lantern or Superman. This show was going to bring a whole new audience to your character. Absolutely. It was gonna it was gonna bring exposure to a character that is forgotten about and then right out of the gate you shit can him. That just that's not it's not good business. So I don't know. It's not I mean how do you feel set about the it? fucking internet on f- Well here's my thing, man. It set the internet on fire with this news. Everybody's pissed that Swamp Thing got cancelled. As you said, it's gonna be critically acclaimed. People are saying great things. As I said, so far, everything I've seen on DC services, this streaming service, is really good. However, recently Warner Brothers bought Time Warner, or Time... something like that, or AT&T, something like that. There was some big acquisition recently, right? So now Warner isn't just Warner Bros, it's Warner Media, okay? okay? Warner Media has already started discussing the possibilities, because it's what everybody else is doing, of having a streaming service. So having a DC streaming service under another streaming service is not going to be something they're fond of. So I think they're already seeing a reason to jump ship, jump off some of these shows, not all of the shows per se. Maybe they keep Titans going and maybe somehow some way Swamp Thing doesn't get canceled by the time it's all said and done. But as of right now, you have DC with too many cookie too many hands in the cookie jar. And you've got a new head at Warner Brothers that pulls the trigger on a lot of the DC media stuff. And the new head has different vision. The new head literally just came out yesterday and said, guess what? We don't want to be like Marvel. We're going to try to keep all of our movies standalone. So we will not have a connected DCEU moving forward. Wonder Woman will never again interact with some of these characters, at least according to this Warner Brothers head. That's his vision. His vision is to stay standalone and make powerful, impactful movies such as Wonder Woman and Aquaman, which is what he references right out the gate. I'm okay with that. Totally okay with that. Let these I mean let these characters get established. Let them breathe a little bit and then let's see what happens down the road. Yes, exactly. Then if you want, if you have a successful series, a successful franchise and people you know, the thing is, DC will never be Marvel. The MCU will never be replicated by DC. They have to have their own take on it, their own thing. But in order to do that, you have to build differently, look at it differently. So maybe this is a smart thing. I mean, and these rumors and all this stuff with the DC Universe streaming service are so rampant, DC actually issued a statement denying rumors that the seri- that the streaming service is going to demise. And I'm going to read that to you guys now. Uh, it says... Hi, friends. A million thanks for your patience. We understand this has not been an easy time for you as fans, and this person will do their best to provide us with some satisfying answers. First, some updates. The full 10 episodes uh, season of Swamp Thing will continue to air on DC Universe with new episodes released weekly. There are no current plans for Season 2. We appreciate there are questions as to why, but unfortunately, we are not in a position to answer at this time. And now the good news. 
DC Universe continues to develop new shows, new seasons, new stories, more availability, and more platforms. We've got a lot of exciting plans for our other shows in the works and look forward to sharing more in the coming months. That's all the information I have to share at this time. Uh, now that you have the goods, I will be going back through this thread and removing false rumors and speculations that this choice uh, means DC Universe or any of our other original series were affected. So... There's the clarity, man. Nothing's happening to the streaming service. It's not going away. We're not losing it. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially, you know, it's something that they launched. It, it just launched last year, right? That was year one. It launched this year. Well, late November. So technically, yeah. Okay. Late last year, early into this year. You have something that's only been active for... Um, Six months? Eight months. Eight months? Eight months, Eight months. max, yeah. Why Why would you not at least let it get a year under its belt and see... You're not, you're not going to just crank a streaming service with shit out of the gate unless you're Disney when you have, you know, a century worth of material to just put on there and say, here you go, here's everything in the future, hope you like our stuff because we know you already do. DC doesn't have that. No. So just, I I don't know. Because I, here, let me ask this question before I go any further. In the same frame as Disney pulling its material from Netflix to then put back on or um, to feature in the future on the Disney Plus streaming service, do you think that Warner Brothers, their plan was when their st- their streaming service got a little bit more under its belt, pull Arrow and The Flash and Legends and everything else that they have on Netflix right now, pull it from there and just feature it on their, on their streaming service? I'm pretty sure that is the plan. I know that they have a contract still. I mean, everybody has contracts with Netflix. That's why the Jessica Jones and all that shit has been canceled because Marvel's contract is coming to an end and whatnot. But, yeah, man, I think that it would be a smart move for DC to say, look, like CW streams the most recent seasons on replay mode on their app, Mm -hmm. but if you want all the seasons of The Flash or all the seasons of Arrow or all the seasons of Legends or Supergirl or Black Lightning, mm-hmm. you're going to have to get the DCU and download the fucking, or watch them through this method, you know? And I, I, personally, I feel like what more than anything needs to happen is in place, and I, I feel like you said something to this effect, but of course, the internet's not been so great, so if you, are, if you actually said exactly this, just forgive me. Uh, but they need a Kevin Feige in place for everyone to answer to that isn't the guy running Warner Media saying this is how it's going to be. And the guy running Warner Media needs to trust his quote unquote Kevin Feige and say, look, man, I need you to do it and do it right. And it's in your hands and just make banger movies. That's all we need to do. And we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't. With with as many people, with as many talented people that are in the industry. Oh God, that's probably awfully loud for you. Yeet. Someone has decided that fireworks are happening right now during our podcast. The fireworks yeah. of our existence. 
Um, doesn't sound as good. With, with as many talented people that are in the industry, I don't understand why you couldn't find a Kevin Feige type person. Like I, I just it does it does that does not compute. Because let me ask you this question: a dream scenario for you. Kathleen Kennedy gets fired from Star Wars. She's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And then DC picks her up to become their Kevin Feige. <laughs> Is it all downhill still? Absolutely. Oh, man. Weird. I was watching something the other day. It was an old fucking movie. And, oh, it was Gremlins. Dude, I was watching Gremlins the other day, and Kathleen Kennedy was an executive producer on Gremlins, bro. Wowzers. I was like, holy shit, how old is this lady? 90? Man, don't fuck with Gremlins. I love it. That movie's dope. Mm. But I think, like, I don't know. It's it's weird because, like, Star Wars, I want Lucas to be more involved with the franchise again. Um, And it, it's not entirely because I think Kathleen Kennedy is incompetent because she, she at least has done, done some right. Um, maybe not as much as... as she should have um but i i don't like just just dc as for their director choices i mean snyder obviously had i mean he had the shit going on so I mean, say whatever you want but he had potential to make something great yeah joss whedon came in towards the end uh i'm i'm a big joss guy uh, I mean, he made obviously 2012 Avengers isn't the greatest fucking movie of all time, but it was good, you know. Uh, Set the stage. Yeah, like you you can't tell me that Joss Whedon isn't like, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll come in and direct some movies for you. Like, well, he was supposed to direct Batgirl, and then all that shit with him possibly touching girls unnecessarily happened, and I he's know. like, I don't, I'm not a womanizer. I can't be on Batgirl now. Yeah, I I just. Get get so before they even make any standalone movies, get your core cast of directors. Get those in place. Like all you have, I agree. You have you have whatever budget you want. You're you're gonna you're gonna sit in front of the head of of Warner Media and say, hey, um, this is the this is the woman that I want to direct. Um, this is the woman that I want to direct the Batman movie. And the, the head of Warner Media is going to say, "Hmm, you chose her. Why did you choose her?" And and whoever the the executive producer is for that is going to say, "Well, there's these reasons here. These are her strong suits. These are her weaknesses. I think if we put a good enough team together, then those weaknesses won't be an issue. And then we're going to have a fantastic Batman movie." And and the same goes for any major character that you have in DC. Just get your cast of directors cemented in place. Let them do their thing. Sign them to a contract and say, okay, uh, it better be good. And then push them out the door and just let them do it. Just step back. That's Kathleen Kennedy's problem. She cannot get her fingers out of Star Wars. She's got to be involved in every single nook and cranny just let your people make the shit, and let's see what happens. Trust them. Yeah. Yes. 
teams work a hell of a lot better if you just trust your team, man. Thank know you. that they can carry a, you know, carry their their weight. You listen. A team is the sum of a bunch of parts, and if you pick a bunch of shitty parts, you're you're just gonna have a shitty team. But you know, you, you put something strong together, and you can get people that are good at just riffing and being off the cuff, and 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 know that they're free to create. And maybe if they make a misstep, that they can correct their misstep because they are veteran enough to know, you know that they're not going to be perfect every time. Mm-hmm. I think that with somebody who always has their hands in it, you're muddying the water so much where at some point I'm sure directors and, and, and producers and writers just throw their hands up and go, well, you fucking do it. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. Well, who who in their right mind wants to be micromanaged? No one. No one. Holy shit. Wowzers. I don't, I don't want to be micromanaged at my job. I mean, I have to in some capacity, but... Um, you know, I, I've been in a position where I've been in charge of other people in the workforce. I don't micromanage people. Here's your task. Are you capable of doing it? Yes. Okay. Are you, I'll see you when you're done. Are you legitimately capable of doing it? Yes. Okay. See you later. Come get me when you're done. You know, um, it just, it needs to be that. There's, there's been a lot of, a little side note from DC here since we're talking Star Wars. There's been a, a lot of fan, basically fan wishing, saying, hey, we want a solo sequel. We want Ron Howard to direct another solo movie. And I, I'm seeing a lot of chatter from uh, Lucasfilm executives that say, no, it's not going to happen. Why, why did that movie fail? Okay. Kathleen Kennedy chose the wrong directors on one hand. Second, she chose the right directors but did not either lay it out up front what that story needed to be or did not give them enough of a chance. Um, option three, she was well, I mean, just those too are the guys involved. That did fucking, I mean, those are the guys that did Lego Movie, the original people that were supposed to do Solo. It's like you let them fucking do their job and they're going to bring you something great and she was too in it man yep so then you get ron howard who saved i'm gonna say saved because obviously i didn't see what solo was before they reshot 80 percent of the movie but you bring in ron howard who puts forth a good star wars movie and there are people that want to see a sequel to a good star wars movie why would you not why would you not let that door swing both ways and see what happens? They're afraid it's going to hit them on the nuts on the way in. Yeah, but I mean, it it really didn't hit you in the nuts that bad the first go around. Not really. It would have been a successful movie. It would have been a successful Star Wars movie, not just on Kathleen Kennedy's shoulders and her misguidings, but also if we weren't in a 2019 era or 2018 at the time, rather era of the angry internet troll who, you know, will uh, definitely put you in a shitty position and say, look, I'm going to just go on Rotten Tomatoes, say this movie is dog shit. I didn't see the movie, but I'm mad at Kathleen Kennedy or I'm mad at Lucasfilms or Disney or whoever your target is. This is how I'm going to make it suffer because I want my voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that if that would not have happened, if it wasn't critically devastated by trolls, 
it probably would have stood on its own two legs as one of the more epic Star Wars movies because in my mind it is an epic Star Wars movie. So I've been watching uh, Star Wars a lot with with Ruby. I I told you about it the other day. Um, the two movies that she wants to watch the most are Solo, a Star Wars story, and Empire Strike yeah. and Empire Strikes Back. Those are the two that she also wants. Fuck yeah! Those are the two that she wants to watch. So I Ruby makes Uncle Nate proud. Yeah, I have I have rewatched Solo so many times in the last month. I have seen every little nook and cranny, every little Easter egg, everything that I didn't notice the first two times that I watched it. That if you are a fan of Star Wars and you are a fan of, you know, just fun heist movies. How could you not enjoy Solo? You have no soul and you're a shitty person. Yes, thank you. What would you do? What 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 would you do? Let me let me ask you this. I'm going to let you go on a riffage for a minute if you know what I'm saying here. But what would you do with a solo sequel? What could you see happening? And I cannot wait to hear what you say about this in one second. All right, here I go. So the, the the easy answer would be to take uh, the ending of Solo uh, when when um, Han is hyping Chewie up about the big job that they're going to take on Tatooine. Uh, just, just go hard into that. Have Han and Chewie show up on Tatooine for the first time. Have Han be introduced to Jabba the Hutt. Maybe there's some issues with, uh, you know, the Bounty Hunters Guild. There's... There's it's a it's a big shot gangster putting together a crew for a big job, like you have a story already. It can be two heist movies in a row. Han Solo's a smuggler, so you have maybe a little bit longer of a film than Solo. Lots of drama, lots of action. You've already done the love interest story in the first film, so you don't really need to highlight that anymore in this one. At the end of um, the the second solo movie of the sequel, you bring Darth Maul into it again, and then in the third movie we go hard. It, well, let me rephrase that: it ends up being the Huts heisting material from Crimson Dawn. Darth Maul gets involved. The plot thickens; it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then at the end of the uh, solo sequel, you could have. <clears throat> Han dumping the cargo that he was supposed to get for Jabba the Hutt, just like he did for uh, Tobias Beckett in uh, the first movie when Emphis Nest attacked him. And then we're at a new hope. Um, you know, you could even cliffhanger that one again and end up having a third solo film, which I think it'd be cool um, if you if you did a trilogy... You do the second one about this big heist, him being involved with Jabba, Crimson Dawn drama, and then the third solo film, maybe have him have some more interaction with Lando. It's just, I mean, Nate and I have both said it before when it comes to Star Wars films. There's so many stories that they could tell. The possibilities are endless. Um, I just think that I was really apprehensive about... um, Alden Ehrenreich being cast as as Han. He 
went out of his way to spend time with Harrison Ford to mimic his facial expressions and mimic his cadence and the way that he walks and the way that he stands and just the the overall way that that character carries himself. Why would you not give that guy another shot? Because I don't think he did a bad job as Han. No, he's a young, inexperienced Han who hasn't yet lived through the Han that you know in the original, you know? I'm not. I think that... I'm not the good guy. I'm an outlaw. Exactly. I'm just doing what I can to get by, man. Mm -hmm. That's the best I have, you know? Uh, Continue on. Continue on. I don't want to steal the the thunder. Well, basically, I'll just um, spark note it real quick. Basically, you use the sequel to Solo to introduce Jabba the Hutt, He's, you know, he's a big shot gangster putting together a job, and the heist that Jabba has put together is actually interacting with Crimson Dawn. So, so Han and his team of people are stealing shit from Darth Maul. Shit gets really deep. Kira's involved again, and then, you know, in that movie, however you want to end it, you could do a sequel or a a, a a trilogy, you know, which I think is originally what they planned with. With, I know that that was something they had discussed, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, the third movie, you could totally solve the Kira drama, you know, Darth Maul dies, however, um, and then at the end, at the end of whatever movie you're going to to finish with, just have Han dump in the cargo that he's supposed to get for Jabba, and then there you go. That's the start of A New I Hope. I think also maybe... I, I love that. I love that. But I think also maybe with Kira, one thing you need to consider is... Before Maul dies, he has to kill her. Mm-hmm. And like in front of Han, super emotional. And that's what kind of breaks him. That's why he doesn't give a fuck when he meets Leia in 77. Because he's lost it all. What more can you fucking take from this dude? Mm-hmm. Like, And that's where we get His dumped ship. into the original story. And it's just like, man, the magnitude of that is insane. Storytelling to the to the best degree, man. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, I love the idea of fleshing Kira's story out more, Crimson Dawn being more involved, bringing Darth Maul back for a more prominent role where he isn't chopped in half in the first movie he's introduced in as the quickest, coolest character to die next to Boba Fett. But, um, I just wanted to get my Boba Man in there. Uh, but, you know... I need to ask you a side note that's Star Wars related here because you know what released in California, my friend? The Motherland. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is officially open. It's open in Florida, too. You can go and be on the Millennium Falcon. My uncle is there right now. Fuck him. Mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully that doesn't offend you, but... Damn it. Yeah, he called me he called me on Wednesday or Thursday and he's you know, we always have these funny conversations and he said, Ask me what I'm about to do and I said, Go to Disney World and he said, How did you know? I just fucking guess. You know, we're going to Disney World. Um threw it out there, yeah, it's yeah. funny. But uh he was kind of giving me his itinerary uh, for his trip this weekend or this week and, and into the weekend. And I was like, 
hey, when you're down there, you have to go check out the the Star Wars portion because he's my uncle Ricky is kind of the reason or part of the reason why I got into Star Wars so hard anyway. Um, and he's like, Tyler, I already got my passes. You know, I fast pass that shit. So I told him to take lots of pictures and, and call me when he leaves. And, you know, he sent me a picture of walking into it. And just, I mean, just the picture is incredible. So. I mean, that they essentially turned Galaxy's Edge is its own planet in the Star mm-hmm. Wars universe that they may or may not at some point tie into the movies in the future. Yeah. That's incredible. And to also be able to go inside of a TIE fighter, walk and be in the Millennium Falcon for fucking real. And fly it. Yeah, you get to do the fucking uh, Smuggler's Run, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kessel Run. So that's badass. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. The universe has just granted you $25,000. There's a caveat. You can only buy one of two items that I'm about to describe to you. Item one is a brand new vintage DeLorean. You can get all the parts in Mexico. They'll send them to you. You can build your own DeLorean. It's 25K. Complete. You have your own car. Okay? Or you happened upon Galaxy's Edge, and they have a life-size fully remote control, fully customizable to your liking, R2-D2. I'm buying that R2 all day. I knew you were going to say it. I, I knew you were. I mean, I, I love Back to the Future, but we all know it's a bunch of bullshit now. I was almost in, <laughs> or I'm not almost in, I was in uh, Think Gink uh, around the time that uh, The Last Jedi came out, and they had a BB-8. That was about, I mean, with his antenna and everything, he was about the same height as my daughter. So a couple feet tall. It was like animatronics to the wazoo. I mean, the fucker was remote controlled. It would roll around on its own. Uh, BB-8 was talking and chirping and doing all kinds of BB-8 shit. I almost bought that. I think it was like 700 bucks. I nice. Didn't, I didn't have 700 bucks, but I was about to spend it. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I have it and I don't use it, admittedly, which saddens me. I need to get them out because it's a lot of fun. I have the Sphero BB-8, the small scale one mm-hmm. that is controlled by your phone. I, I, you know, love that thing. I just don't ever use it, unfortunately. But, I mean, it's cool. It's fucking cool because it does. You can set it in a room, program it to just do it at once, and it'll just roam your house mm-hmm. like a fucking living creature. It'll figure out where boundaries are that it can and can't go because it just like bumps into shit. It's like, oh shit, there's a wall there. Mark it down, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wish I could have a full size fucking. I love driving the BB or the, the BB 8 is cool. He's fun to control. Uh, but man, $25,000 for a life size, full scale, customizable astromech droid it's the most expensive thing at galaxy's edge and yeah it actually does cost more than some cars you must be straight up balling if you do that now have you seen this thing that parents are doing i know you're not going to do it to ruby 
but because uh, she's too young to understand right now. But parents are taking their credit card and they're telling their kid, like, I'm going to drop this credit card on this door. And if you can stop the credit card with your head, you can buy whatever you want on my credit card. Have you seen any of those videos? No. Okay, the whole point is it doesn't fucking work because the credit card falls fast because of gravity and the kid smashes its head into the door. And it's just cruel, but it's fucking hysterical because that's the world we live in. However, I saw one kid who actually caught it, and that was fucking crazy. His dad lost it. Those are definitely some funny videos you should look into if you haven't yet seen them. Uh, Tyler, do you read The Walking Dead at all? Uh, I have not. I want, well... I read the first couple issues um, right around the time that the, the TV show was getting popular. And then I just haven't. I mean, I, I I just can't keep up with them. So, I just haven't had time. Yeah, I mean, there are 192 issues in, man. And uh, I per- I talked about it last week, how it was most likely going to be the case. But 192 issues in, they actually killed Rick Grimes for real. Really? And it was... Comic books have hardly ever moved me to, like, tears and real emotion. That fucking got me. It was... The book as a whole is perfect. It's the best that you can do as a send-off to that character from the books. Uh, I mean, it's... It hits you in the guts because Carl is the one that finds him and he's all zombified, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, super fucking brutal. You can just like it just like hits you in your throat. But then it's not even that that made the issue so sad. It's everybody grieving him and like dealing with that that made it so powerful. Uh, But it's honestly The Walking Dead 192 issues in and I've never said, man. This series is fucking boring. I don't get it. Like, sometimes I fall behind on The Walking Dead. Sometimes, you know, I um, miss 12 issues in a row, which is a whole year worth of coverage, and have to speed round catch folks up. But um, the loss of Rick Grimes was planned all the way back as far as the year 2004. That's 15 years ago that this plan was put in place for issue 192 specifically to be the send-off. And uh, it was fucking huge, super impactful. I do encourage anybody, even though I just spoiled what happens in that issue, it doesn't do the story itself justice. And if you haven't gotten through those books, and you included Tyler, I'm going to get them to you somehow, some way. You need to find your way through the actual comic series because it blows the bullshit TV show so far out of the water. I mean, the story, you love storytelling, you love impactful storytelling, and the comics, once you get out of that early Kirkman finding his way in the woods of figuring out how to do the series, once he starts telling the human emotion of the story and really dives into that, there's no better comic series that's ever come out. Bar none. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to get caught up on it um, when I finally do. But let me, let me return a question to you: with how do you feel about this article? The Walking Dead creator says series will now focus on Negan. Oh, it's the best news in my life. Um, Negan, honestly, is maybe the greatest comic book character because. 
historically speaking, and I'm, I'm just going to give a Cliff Notes version as to not super spoil it, but he's the motherfucker that killed Glenn, and then he sits in a jail cell, and then he proves himself really in epic fucking fashion to Rick Grimes in a way that is so fucking badass, I can't wait for you to get to it. And then... He falls off the radar. We haven't seen Negan since issue 174. So that's almost 2 years without Negan being in the in the in the Walking Dead comics. And for them to be like, and now we focus on Negan again is like, let's fucking party. I'm ready for the fucking fuckity fucks, you fucking fuckers. That's a very Negan-esque thing to mm-hmm. say. Well, I do you say I, so myself? So I I love I'm just going to read the top line of this article. It says, The Walking Dead monthly comic book series will now focus on villain-turned-anti-hero Negan following the death of Rick Grimes in issue 192, says Robert Kirkman. That phrase, villain-turned-anti-hero, for me, personally, those are always my favorite characters in fiction. The The ones that were the villain, and then... They realized that, hey, I can be a badass with these badasses, and now we're all badasses. Like, that's always my favorite character. Vegeta, right there. That's all I need to say. Hell yeah. Best character in Dragon Ball. Changed my mind. Punisher. Thank you. One of the best characters ever created. Frank Castle, such a tragic story. And 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 then to just become a focused machine and get lost in it. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Deadpool is an uh, anti-hero other, for sure. De- you, I feel like Deadpool is his own fucking universe of a character, though. Like he doesn't. Yeah, okay, sure. He he toes the line of good and bad guy, but. Because he is his own entity and is self-aware and all that, I don't even think, like, it would be cliche for him to call himself an anti-hero because he'd be like, what the fuck, I, I, what? That's just like admitting I'm a good and bad guy. Well, here here's a perfect example because we were just talking about him. Han Solo, a bad guy, not a bad guy, but a, um, a lawbreaker ends up being a smuggler ends up being one of the main reasons that that the heroes defeat the forces of evil. Han Solo is an anti-hero. Word. Also when you said he's a bad guy but not a bad guy, all I can think of is hello my name is Zankif mm-hmm. uh from uh Wreck It Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> Remember just because you are a bad guy doesn't mean you are bad. God, God, I lo- I love that fucking movie, man. Word. At the end, when he's fucking rocketing towards the Mentos volcano and he's going through his uh, villains anonymous, man, gets me every time. Epic. Cause I'm fucking b- epic. I'm bad, and that's good. I'll never be good, and that's not bad. Oh yeah, he's just driving into certain doom. Mm-hmm. I actually am Wreck It Ralph. That's that's me. I love that actually. I might start calling you Ralph accidentally that, from now that's on. That's fine. Who knows? I just want to wreck it, man. Okay, I'm into that. I I just read a headline that just popped up on the on the feed here. 
Fantastic Four director Josh Trank says he'll never make a Marvel or DC movie again. And all I have to say is that he probably won't make a movie again because of how much of a shithole that experience was. Yeah. It was bad. It was just bad, man. It was plum bad. <laughs> really bad. It was not good. In a word, it was bad. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to that. Uh, man, is there anything else we want to rock out today before we jump out of here? I feel like we've had a badass, long-ass episode. Wow, it's been two hours. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Time flies when you're having fun. No, I'm I'm good. You're you're feeling um, zened out. Your head is better. Yep. The universe is better. Everything feels better. By the way, folks, uh, the time of this is let's see, today's Saturday, is ninth, tenth, Tuesday. Tomorrow, when poor three sixty drops, you can go buy Captain Marvel on DVD and or Blu-ray. It is available in stores. Just yeah. want to let people know that in case they didn't know. I'm excited. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, if we're going to get ourselves out of here, I guess I should get to the best part of the show, which is the plugs. you got to figure out where you can hear us. You can check on the Journey Into Comics podcast on the Journey Into Comics network at journeyintocomics.com or get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics network. Subscribe to our feed. Get all the shows that you'll ever need. Every single day of the week, we release content consistently and we're gearing towards journey into comics 250 the reveal of my co-host i'm so excited maybe it's ralph who knows uh folks this has been a fantabulastic episode oh also holy shit tyler i totally fucked this up because people can also go to patreon.com backslash journey into comics baby give us a buck for that early access and or exclusive content or give us five dollars for some stickers or ten dollars for a conversation with me and some stickers or twenty five dollars for a t-shirt and a conversation with me maybe i'll help you start your own podcast who knows maybe tyler will help you start my own podcast who knows (laughs) All right, folks. Well, I think this has been a spectacular episode of Journey into Comics 247. Bam! Let's kick it up a notch. I have been your host, Nate. And I've been Tyler. And as always, folks, take care. Pop your caps back. I fucked that up. Wow. Tongue tied. Pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys.